Louise McSherry on 2FM. Now, I've been struggling all morning to talk about this item because I just don't feel like I'm getting the language right and I don't feel like I'm an authority on what the language should be. And language is important, my friends. So I think it's important that we just get into it as quickly as we can. But the context is an original pair of 2008 Yeezys um, from Kanye West, worn at the 2008 Grammy, sold for $1.8 million recently, um, which just goes to show you how seriously the world of shoe collection is. Um, I am joined now by Darren Rice, who is a radio DJ and a collection of shoes, trainers, runners. Darren, put me out of my misery. Like, what is the right, what's the cool lingo? Morning, Louise. How are you? Um, it's, quite, it's kind of hard to make this sound cool in a way sometimes, isn't it? Okay. Someone's willing to pay that amount of money for a pair of shoes and you're kind of like, what? No, I'm, you... I'm down with that. But what I struggle with is I don't feel like I, you know, so I would just call these kind of shoes runners. But like, I feel As like... As do I. As so, do I. Okay. The whole, this whole sneaker thing, this is a, an Americanization. I kind of, it makes me cringe a little bit. Okay, inside, thank you. See? Lie. That's okay, where I was coming from. <laughs> I've been doing this for 30 years nearly. Do you know what I mean? So like, I think, I think I'm think i in a position to denounce that and fight my my little Irish corner and say it's runners. Okay, um, fab. The, the interesting thing though with the, the Yeezy, the 1.8 million, it actually wasn't really like a person who bought it. Oh. The mad thing about this, it's a company um, called Rares. And they're a new thing that's set up in Las Vegas. And it's it's an app. It's um, They're looking to kind of reshape assets into financial um, investments for people so basically it's run by a guy who used to play in the NFL right who was an American football player and obviously this fellow doesn't play anymore and somebody at some financial advisor said to him you need to do something in tech make a few bob you know don't go broke you'll be grand and what they're doing is they're buying up these high value kind of pop culture items uh, and they're looking to sell fractional shares of these high value items so that's what's going on there so like this guy he's describing he says like they're real securities his name is jerome sap is your man and what they're actually doing is they're looking to sell these shares in these yeezys on a public offering which is next month the 16th of june so like imagine you know in this day and age people are mad to throw their money at things so like nfts and all this crazy stuff that's going on this is kind of like along the same lines it's imagine if i went and bought the mona lisa for a million quid right And then I sold shares in it at 10 grand each. So there's 100 shares out there. You buy one of them. You own like, you know, 1% or whatever of... Um, of the Mona Lisa. Of the Mona Lisa. And therefore, yeah. I, but, but I hold on to it in my gaff. Yeah. And then I look to sell that for 2 million. And then when I do that, you have doubled your investment. And then I give you back 20 grand. That's what this guy is hoping to do with these shoes. Now, who's going to pay more than 1.8 million for the shoes? I don't know. And what but, kind of insurance does he have to pay for the shoes? That's what I'd be interested in. I mean, God, yeah. if anything happened to them, because you're talking about it like a, li- a physical asset, as you say. That's but these shoes are going to fall apart someday as well. That's what people don't seem to realize. <laughs> like, I have shoes in my wardrobe from the 90s that crumbled because the, the rubber that's used in the sole generally crumbles. Now, it does tend to happen, which is a mad uh, fact, that it happens when shoes aren't worn. Because it's the way that the rubber doesn't compress. So if you wear a shoe maybe once or twice on pavements, it does something to the rubber inside and it makes it last longer. But whereas if you keep it box fresh and never, ever wear it, it, it will crumble faster. You oh know, my and God. I actually, That's fascinating. He, yeah. And like these are only sample pairs. So Kanye wore them at the Grammys. He probably wore them rocking around his gaff doing bits. But, 
<laughs> yeah, like you know, I like he released the retail version of those shoes a year or two later. I have two pairs of them now. I've worn them, so I'm kind of banking on them staying put. But I've seen collectors with them in boxes, and the rubber has already crumbled. So this dude needs to get, you know, he, he basically needs to get a sweat on and look at selling these shoes within the next year or two because there is the danger that they will crumble, and then your asset is just kind of, you know, in the in toilet, this, so to speak. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, that's so interesting. Thank you for explaining all of that to us. Um, now, obviously, as you said, you have two pairs of those Yeezys. Um, so you are you are super into this, and I've heard you. I've heard your podcast when you've been interviewing other people, and it's I can hear your passion. Um, so talk to me about the origin of the love. Like I love a nice pair of runners, but I feel like you love them in a different way. So talk to me about uh, that. <laughs> you're making it sound like a fetish. Jesus. No. It's an interest. Um, <laughs> basically, like, this is something that, like, I can remember my first pair of Nikes. Um, I got them when I was, like, seven. Even before that, this is only a story I remembered lately. That I remember when I was a kid, before I could read, right, I was big into, a friend had Puma runners. And they were the ones that used to kind of look like football boots. And I, like, I couldn't read, so I didn't know what the word Puma was. But I used to describe them to my mom as the runners with the cast jumping over the writing. Okay? <laughs> that's how basic this was. And I think back about it, that's mad as a five-year-old yeah. to be saying that but um no i got my first pair of air jordans when i was nine yeah i was big into i was big into american basketball for some reason it was the late 80s michael jordan was king i had these posters on my wall and i wanted the shoes off the poster yeah and by the time that um i, I could you know persuade my mom and dad to get me a pair for my birthday those shoes had gone because they came out in annual increments. So there was the yeah. Jordan 6, the Jordan 7. So by then, the Jordan 7 was the one that was on the case and I could only get that. And yeah. I actually couldn't get the Jordan 6 until I was an adult because they didn't re-release a retro, as they called it, shoes back then. Yeah. So like when, when they did eventually when gone, do that... they're gone, they're gone, yeah. Yeah, and they did eventually start doing that because Nike cashed in. They were like, hang on, there's the nostalgia factor because a lot of that is what it is with me. Yeah. And um, I like when, when I could buy them, I bought two pairs in yeah. my mid to late 20s, you know? <laughs> but like I can still remember as a kid being like in grass Grafton Street in Dublin when Marathon and Champion Sports were the thing and yeah. you know like seeing in the window Andre Agassi's new Nike Air Tech Challenge but they didn't make it in kids sizes and being like you know just beside myself because I wanted these runners and I couldn't have them but then as an adult when they re-released them you're like geez I'm having that so it's a really smart business move and I think for a lot of people who are in the game a lot a long time like myself it is a nostalgia thing because I think pe- people tend to look when they have a bit of disposable income to things that re- not remind them so much of their childhood, but things that they couldn't have when they were a kid. Yeah, so like for women my age, Clarks should re-release the Magic Key or the Secret Key, whatever those shoes were, um, that we all desperately wanted when we were six. <laughs> um, and they'd make a killing. Come on, Clarks, get in the game. Um, okay, so the nostalgia thing is obviously, I mean, I totally get that. And I think it's really interesting to hear you describe those stories because I remember what it was like as a kid to want something... And like, you know, your mom and dad just couldn't afford it or like they certainly weren't buying you a pair of runners that you would outgrow in, you know, six months. I have to buy my child shoes, I feel like every three months, like it's insane. And he's four and he's obsessed with Nikes because the, he believes firmly that the tick makes him run faster. Um, <laughs> so maybe someday someone will be having a conversation with him like I'm having with you. Um, but uh, but I can understand that that nostalgia. But the money now is, is pretty insane. And I feel like... Like, you know, where does that come into it? Because as you said, it's it's a business for some people. But for people like you, I mean, how much are you willing to spend? It depends on the pair and it depends how much you want them. As people say about markets, like things are only worth what someone is willing to pay. Mm-hmm. Now, to my mind, it's gone a little bit crazy these yeah. days. Like it, it really is a bit of a bubble so much. 
like it, it's gotten to a stage whereby the the hype shoe first kind of came about maybe in the mid noughties. There was a pair in New York that released. I think there was only like a hundred pairs of them, and the the cops basically had to show up and try and shut down a three day camp out. Wow. They were the days of when people would bring tents and sleeping bags, camp outside shops, get their pair and go home. Mm. But like the the cops had to set up a system where you went in the front of the door of that shop, you bought the shoes, and then you went out the back, and there was a, a line of yellow taxis in New York waiting to take you away. Wow. And when the crowd was dispersed, there was like baseball bats and knives and everything Jesus. found because people were jumping them. And like those shoes now sell for like ten, twenty grand, whatever those ones do. But like that was kind of the the, the first era of the hype shoe, and then. Basically, it, it they and they were actually skateboarding shoes. There was a Nike skateboarding line, Nike SB. Mm. So like, just it, it comes in waves. That there's certain shoes that are popular. So in the in the mid nineties, it was SBs. Then it would have jumped to like Jordans. Would have been in vogue again. Yeah. Then it became then the classic Air Maxes. And it just it's kind of seasonal. And you know, like everything like fashion related, it comes and goes in waves. And if, it is a business so much nowadays. But if you have so like if you have an amazing collection. How are you? How are you keeping them? Like, I mean, do you you can't have them on display, really, can you? I mean, they take up like a significant amount of space. You're probably not wearing them that much, although, as you say, you should be wearing them <laughs> from time to time. So, where's the buzz? Um, it's not even the buzz. It's kind of like I, I very much. I read a quote one time from Elton John. Um, in vogue, right? And it was okay. basically along the lines of, I buy these things not to know that I'm going to wear them every day, but just to be safe in the knowledge that I have them. And I, I have them if I want them or if I, if I need them. Okay. And I do have, like, I have about 130 pairs of shoes at home. My shoe rack game from Argos is bulletproof, okay, <laughs> right? And, and, like, yeah, I have to, actually I have them all in my room. I've, got, I've kind of, like, space. I've kind of optimized it to an extent. And um, But, like, now they're starting to grow and I need more racks. They're under my bed and they're, they're kind of here, there and everywhere. But, yeah, like, you know, there's maybe, like, out of that 120, 130, there is probably, like, 10 that are the premium selection, so to speak. I know that right. sounds really nerdy when I no, say it out loud. No, it doesn't. I'm into and, this. Um, <laughs> yeah, and then there are like the ones that are kind of like your everyday shoe that you don't really mind scuffing up or whatever. Yeah. But like there are people who will buy those premium ones and just wear them to death because in the end, they're shoes. They're meant to go on your feet. They're not really something that are there to be idolized and you know they're not the the, the ark of the covenant so to speak yeah. or the holy grail you know it's yeah. not like it's, it's not some indiana jones type thing it's a pair of shoes that are meant to go on your feet it's just that it depends on the value that's attributed to them by the owner slash wearer yeah i think i think that's you've hit the nail on the head because like i just can't, i mean i would be wearing them i can't, i would want everyone to see them <laughs> i am a natural <laughs> show-off like i would be out on the town i bought a pair actually of new um i have these jordan deltas that i really like and i bought them in another colorway a few months ago when Nike were having a sale and I haven't worn them yet because I was like I'm going to keep them now for the summer when it's a bit drier and now I have it in my head that I'm keeping them for when I get to socialize again but even okay. that for me is like very unusual <laughs> that I've had them for a few months you know so I would be wearing them I would be scuffing them up but they'd be wrecked but like I'd be happy um, and are there people so there are people as you say that do that right? Oh yeah, of course there are. Like some of the shoes are even designed to be kind of scuffed up. There's a guy oh, yeah. called Sean, called uh, Sean Wotherspoon. He runs a series of stores in the US, and he designed a pair of Air Max with Nike, and they're made out of corduroy, and they fray really easily. So like he he designed them to be worn, you know. But mm. like a lot of people kind of would keep them on ice, so to speak, and kind of you know treat them like a baby and not want to wreck them. I.e. me. But like those <laughs> <laughs> those shoes, kind of like they, they, it's the value that increases on the open market for them is crazy. Like. Yeah. They went on sale. They were the ones that went on sale in Dublin. Um, geez, was it March? 
March 2018, maybe. Can't remember, but it's probably the most where my eyes were open to the fact going, okay, this is a thing here now. So like there was one store in the entire, actually, no, there wasn't, sorry, I lied. There was three, but there was really one who kind of ran an open raffle for it. Mm. And that was nowhere on Angel Street, which is sadly now closed. But like to see 300 kids turn up mm. on a Friday evening in Dublin city centre for a raffle in a shop whereby you're assigned a ticket based on your size yeah. and they only had one pair in each size across wow. the, the spectrum so like it was wild like this I made a little documentary about it at the time and you know I was like going okay this culture is actually a thing now and then when the kids didn't win the raffle they went and camped overnight at the other shops I think Brown Thomas and wow. Size on Wicklow Street were getting them so it was a kind of it was a real it. movement yeah I love it I, I honestly I feel like maybe we might need to get you back because I would like to talk to you a lot more about this and also I feel like you could give us some really good shoe maintenance tips um, <laughs> so if you're up for it we might need to get you back on but I have to go now because I have to play the news which you know all about of course because you're on the of radio course. too on beat um, mm-hmm. so I know you have a single out uh, with Mark McCabe count to ten it's called by Anim A-N-I-M is is the name of your duo is that correct our little project yes yeah. the Irish we couldn't agree on a name basically and Mark wanted to keep it quite kind of somewhat Irish or Celtic and I was like he was I said like what about the Irish foreign name but people will mispronounce A-I-N-M because as a nation we almost you know collectively would look at that and go Anim what is, it, <laughs> is this Irish and I was like no we're bastardising that A-N-I-M make it simple keep it simple <laughs> stupid and it'll be grand and people especially people in radio have given me plaudits since going that was a smart move yes, you played that one well I highly appreciate um, well, look, thanks so much. I really enjoyed our chat. That's Darren Rice, aka Ricer. Have a great one, Darren. You too, Louise. Cheers. Thanks so much. Bye bye. Louise McSharry on 2FM.